Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. In today's episode, we have a lively conversation about many of the criticisms of Aikido and the excuses that are often used to justify them. Joining me in this conversation today is Brandon Needham and Dan Holloway. Before we start, please consider supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Spirit Aikido online program, which currently has more than 160 videos. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. Well, welcome again to Martial Wisdom, and I've got with me Brandon Needham and Dan Holloway. So we're going to talk today about a lot of the criticisms that come to Aikido from not only outside, but inside Aikido, mostly outside, and that kind of damage the reputation of the art. And then we're also going to talk about the excuses that are often put up to justify why we don't need to change anything or why we don't need to address these criticisms. So before we get started, I'd like to have Brandon and Dan both uh, give the little brief introduction and then we'll kind of just get right into it. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, how about you start? Sure. Um, thank you for having me on and it's good to see you. Um, I've done Aikido since 1996 and am currently uh, Godon. Um, I was teaching for a number of years uh, in 2019 that halted though. And then with the pandemic that kind of further um, took challenges for the hitch in the giddy up, so to speak for, for restarting and redoing some things. But uh, also I, I have done a number of arts, uh, a number of years I've done judo and past few years, I've uh, really taken up Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and engulfed in myself in that. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Great. Excellent. Dan. Yes, yeah, so um, I've or I did Aikido for around seventeen years ish. I achieved the rank of uh, Sandan in Yoshinkan Aikido. Trained with some great instructors like Robert Mustard Sheehan and Joe Tambu Sheehan, who I um, I went and spent a month in Australia training with. Um, since then, I then um, kind of diversified slightly and did some MMA, did some striking arts, um, did some combatives as well as some more self defense based things. And then now run kind of a mixed martial arts syllabus, but not MMA syllabus, like a mixture of martial arts syllabus at, at my academy, Empower Martial Arts, based in Lincoln in the UK. Excellent. Well, great. Uh, and I want to say, I'll put out to our listeners and the readers on, uh, we, I originally posted this question on the Aiki Budo Alliance uh, Facebook group. And even among, I think we were at about 600, 700 people now, even though we just started the group earlier this week, we got some fantastic uh, responses. I, I put out the question, what are some standard criticisms that you've heard or that have been put to you about Aikido? And what are the excuses that are often res uh, the responses that are, uh, that are used as excuses of why, why they don't need to be dealt with? And, and Dan actually came out of the gate right away with like six or seven <laughs> of them that were just fantastic. And I'm sure the, all of these are stuff that we've all heard before. Uh, and a lot of us have used some of these excuses before. And I will unashamedly say that, yes, I've heard these from my own instructors before, from other instructors. I've used them basically because I didn't even think them through necessarily about whether they were good answers. They were just the stock answers that we are kind of expected to foster on. But when I put my mind to them, almost all of them fell down immediately as being nonsense and a good reason why a normal, sensible person, even without martial art experience, can go, what, 
what are you talking about? Like what that, uh, that excuse does not make any sense, much less somebody with real exposure to real violence or a, a, a martial, a practical martial art or practical fighting background. So let's kind of get right into these. And I'm going to go right, start right with, with one of Dan's. And this is, I think his first, first one that he came out with, which was the criticism is that Aikido is not pressure tested and is therefore not effective. And the excuse tends to be, and there, there are many of them, but this is a, a, one of the top ones, is that Aikido is about the uh, uke-nage relationship and working together. Basically, that it is cooperative training only, and it's not about competing. Um, maybe we'll have Brandon start with this one. What are your, how would you tear this one down? Well, first, I'd probably agree with that. Um, yeah. as far do you as agree with the criticism or the excuse? Both. Both. Okay. I agree with the, ex the I, I agree that people use that excuse right. to sure. justify, you know, the beauty of the art. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what else to really say. I mean, it was, <laughs> that's, that's a, if you look outside looking in, um, especially from, from a combative art, you know, like MMA or something, somebody looks at that and they're like, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to what me. What in the world is this? Well, yeah, since this Dan is... put up the criticism, I'll, I'll jump, I'll let him get the last word in on this one. But my thought is that, yes, yes. Aikido uses cooperative training. Um, that doesn't mean that cooperative training is all that martial arts training can be. It is incomplete if all you're doing is cooperative training. Now, granted, boxing, wrestling, Every other combat sport art or combat art uses cooperative training as part of the training cycle. So that is a valid, the valid aspect of the excuse. However, when you, when you never take your training beyond that, you will hit a very low ceiling and you will not be able to perform when your, your attacker or your opponent is actively trying to overcome you. And, and so the excuse, I think, is is partially true. There's there's some valid aspects to it, but it cannot be used as the excuse why Aikido should never be pressure tested. There should be no active training or live training or anything that will help develop the skills to prepare somebody for a live attacking opponent. So that's how I would kind of tear that one down. So Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a big one. It's probably one of the highest criticisms that I've seen. Mm -hmm. in terms of, and i think it doesn't just um or like apply to aikido it applies to traditional martial arts in general and i think now since probably maybe the late 80s early 90s with the emergence of ufc and things like that the pressure testing aspect is so so important now mm -hmm. and people more and more and more are getting um they're wising up to the fact that a lot of traditional martial arts you stand there you do your kata you do your kihon things like that but it's always on the basis that you're working with your partner and if you're looking for efficacy and if you're looking for something that's dynamic and it's going to work, you need to pressure test. And that percentage, I think, is the percentage of pressure testings where it, it kind of falls down. As you said, you know, every single martial art has got a or combat sport has got an, an element of compliance to it. And, you know, working with your partner, if you're doing pad drills or something on the boxing, but it's the percentage that does that. That's a small percentage of boxing. The majority of percentage is sparring because that's where you kind of hone your craft and that's where you get your experiences. As we said before, you don't learn too much from just winning all the time. You learn by your losses. And right. if you get punched in the face, that's quite a good um, like indicator that you need to do something else. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of that in Aikido. 
um it's the emphasis is kind of like at least 80 percent, i'd say kind of that relationship between shite inoki or tori inoki however you want to say it mm-hmm. and there isn't nearly enough emphasis on kind of going all right well i'm gonna actually put some resistance in now but mm-hmm. real resistance not kind of compliant resistant if you if you know what i mean like you yep. can resist but only in a certain way it's like well i'm going to resist the way that i want to resist and this has been shown time and time again through just one look at YouTube, Aikido versus wrestling, Aikido versus Taekwondo, Aikido versus karate, blah, blah, blah. Nine times out of 10, the Aikido guy's getting taken down and mounted and armbarred and, and yep. just, yeah, destroyed. And it's not even, um, you know, a struggle for, sure. for anyone who's got a background in, in most things. I think the takeaway here is that, that compliant only training essentially is lazy training. And I think that that's, that's what we need to own. And the idea that we can't allow our training to, to be lazy or to just be satisfied with that low ceiling of working with the compliant uh, partner and much less expecting them to be. So um, I think this was a good one. I know we've got quite a few, so I don't want to dwell more than you know five, five minutes or so on each one of these. Uh, and we're going to try to get to all of them without this being a ridiculously long show. So uh, let's get right on to the next one. Uh, and this one was also a great one, too. Uh, the criticism also, this one's also from Dan. Um, the criticism is that Aikido is too traditional in its attacks, uh, for example, from sword cuts. Um, and we all know Shomenuchi, Yokomenuchi are, are at the, the top of the food chain, as it were, for uh, the, the attacks that Aikido practices from. And the excuse for this is that attacks can be tweaked to match real world attacks, such as a Yokoman strike representing a hook. And of course, the big one we've always heard is that Shomenuchi could be a beer bottle that's somebody being swung at somebody's head. Um, uh, I'm going to tackle this one first, then we'll have Brandon. We'll put Dan on last because he, he came up with all these. So these are great. <laughs> um, all right. The, the beer bottle one. And recently there was a video that came out of, of a person getting attacked with a knife and the attacker actually came with an overhand, like a psycho type, type of a stab attack to the chest. And it was successful. So you can't say that that attack does not exist in, in real fighting. My observation is that it, it is not a very common attack uh, as opposed to a, a haymaker. Um, and I'll get to that one here in just a second. But what I found in terms of practice is that that Shomenuchi is a highly telegraphed strike that is very easy to train against. And f- for the most part, it's easy to train brand new people with it because it's the probably the least scary, uh, the least frightening one. And it's it, it's easy to, to build the choreography aspect to it with the telegraphing. But as soon as you tell, okay, all right, surprise me now, things change entirely. Um, and I also want to address the, the haymaker one, which, you know, and I was always told the Yokoman is a circular strike and it can represent a hook punch or a haymaker or an overhand right or any of these common strikes. And I found that that one falls down as well in that, those are different types of strikes. Those angles are different and they look different. And, and with the competition I used to do, it was one of the things you tried to do was fool your opponent by showing them subtle differences from an attack that you want them to think you're throwing than what you're actually throwing. And sometimes those differences can be quite minute. And the, the differences between a Yokoman strike and a solid hook punch, they, those are quite different. Um, even though, you know, the, the, the direction of the hand might be the same or pretty close to the same. The body mechanics are different and the tells that happen are different. And my other frustration with the Yokoman strike 
is this same thing with the Yoko Minucci, this huge telegraph. I'm putting my hand out here to show you what's coming to give you time to prepare like in an actual attack that might happen because somebody's basically fighting out of anger. They're being stupid, but they might not either. They might trick you or they might not telegraph. And that's kind of what we're working for. Um, so Brandon, I'll, I'll give this one to you. I gotta be honest. I, uh, I don't buy that excuse because, you know, like, like you said, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a punch can be used in different ways. And if you're going to train to defend or use something, you train like you want to fight. Mm-hmm. And I know from experience that I've seen people who have done Aikido and instead of hitting somebody the way they should have hit them, they've used an open palm shomenuchi and got obliterated by it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I'm not a fan of using those. I want real strikes. You know, that's why I think when we pressure test, you know, find somebody that's a boxer or somebody that can strike and, and work against them and see what you can do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way I think things are really going to start changing is if you start using those types of strikes. And we've talked about, um, you know, changing, you know, are we going to change a keto? Well, I mean, part of the change is we have to, you have to pressure test. And I know that there's people that do that, but if you're going to say I can defend against the Yokoman and it can be used as a haymaker, I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's variations of every strike. Absolutely. And significant. Yes. And they will use them. And Mm -hmm. if you're only training against three different types of angles of attack, you're not going to be successful in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might be, but chances are you're not going to be, especially against a good striker. Um, so I, I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, there needs, that mentality needs to change as far as, you know, using these strikes. It's good for tradition. It really is. And I'm not saying we should fully remove it if that's the route people are going to go. But, um, you know, if you train like you fight, then your brain reacts when in a confrontation, how you're going to, um, remember your training. And if you start striking people with sword strikes, you're, you're going to get hurt in a real fight. And I think that's a false sense of reality for a lot of people that they have in their head that they're really learning something when I don't think that they really are. Agreed. Dan. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the, the Yokominuchi kind of thing being turned into a haymaker, I think you've got to, you've got to distinguish between people who can throw a punch and people who can't throw a punch. Like arguably if it's a big wide haymaker of someone who has no idea and has never really thrown a punch, they're just throwing it out of, alcohol-induced anger or something like that. Arguably, you could say it's more like the, the Yokominuchi strike. But if you get anyone that's done a little bit of boxing or tie or striking or any or kickboxing or anything like that, the hook's going to be nice and tight. The shoulder's going to be protecting the chin, etc. It's going to be a technical hook. So at that point, the range is gone anyway because the arm's not extended. You mm-hmm. need to get way closer in um, as opposed to kind of leaving that arm out and and things like that. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, different, it's a different range, I think, from people who can throw a punch to not throw a punch. Well, and, and even from a, a, somebody with a, perhaps just a little bit of, of skill with throwing a punch, the idea of having your elbow canted in versus yeah. out is a significant difference of what is being delivered to you. Yeah, um, for sure. Just that alone. And that's a big one. There's other ones that are smaller too. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, excellent. Let's get on to the next one. Let's go with um, uh, also from Dan, Aikido has not evolved with the times as other martial arts have, such as through competition like judo or jujitsu. 
And the excuse being that Aikido is a traditional martial art focusing on the spiritual side of the arts and promoting general health and well-being. Um, Brandon, you're shaking your head. Run with it, brother. <laughs> the whole spiritual thing, man, that just, that blows me away. Um, you know, people, the no touch, spiritual, fluffy, big circles, you know, it just, it really kills me. Um, and I ran into that when I started Aikido. I, uh, I went to a school that was not like what I saw Steven Seagal doing in the movies. I saw this school doing these flowery, you know, routine motions, falling, you know, their hand would go up and people would fall down. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the hell that is. That's not what I want to do. And so I left, you know, it just, it just kind of charred me. Um, the spiritual thing, I, you know, my understanding is when O Sensei said and did things, he said and did things in different periods of his life. And depending on what period of time you studied or were with him, you might take something away differently than what might be the truth. Um, I still believe firmly that even though he was in his 60s, 70s, and however old he was before he died, that he was still a, a warrior. Mm -hmm. And I think some of his words were misinterpreted or misunderstood, perhaps. And when people, or if he did say something, they ran with that and said, well, now we're going to be spiritual. You know, we're going to study key and whatever, you know, inner power that we can muster from ourselves to make the universe better. I, I just, the, that's one of the criticisms I think that people do have is the love, peace, harmony, you know, type of mentality that a lot of Aikido practitioners do have. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing per se, but that's kind of what they base the art on. And Aikido to me is a martial art, not a martial thought. Sure. And I think some of this comes from the fact that, that Osensei was a devoutly religious man uh, right. and, and spoke from that side of himself as well as, uh, in fact, probably even in place of actual physical instruction from the people right. that were that learned from him, they would often comment that whatever he said was incomprehensible. Like they didn't even know what he was talking about because he would speak in parables and he would just his language, you know, and you can't even say it was the language barrier because these were all native Japanese speakers. So you can't say that this was an American misrepresentation or misunderstanding um, or, or some other foreign language. And I think crossing the lines of religion and spirituality into the martial arts to the degree that it was done was was probably so has sown more confusion than it has clarity um not and not to say that that philosophy of when you have the power to harm somebody that you need to be a, a philosopher that's a valid concept the fact that you need to have a, a level of morality a level of sensibility and logic and reason and ration um you could argue whether or not religion brings those things, but for many, many centuries, those two were viewed as being intertwined. So I certainly don't condemn anybody for being religious, right. but trying to put a religious over temp over overtone to, a, to martial art training is inherently problematic. Yes. And, I, and I think you're right. And within this, within this, uh, I guess, explanation, the, the word that triggers me is the traditional, Tr what tradition? How far back do you go to pin down that, put the push pin in the map that says this is the tradition part? Most modern people consider traditional to be kind of the, the choreographed, swoopy, uh, ritualized training that has come to represent moder a lot of modern Aikido 
Well, right. if you go back to just, uh, anybody who trained in, in Osensei's dojo in the 50s um, and when it was called Hell Dojo, would Hell certainly dojo, say yeah. there is nothing to do. Yeah. That has nothing to do. That tradition has nothing to do with what we call traditional today. And I would think it would go even, you know, back into the 40s and, and such where martial art training, if anybody of that era saw what Aikido training by and large was today, they would probably laugh themselves into a hernia. I say, well, I don't know what you people are doing, but that's, so where does the tradition go back? And I don't think you need to go back to the 1800s or the 1600s or whatever to say that these are samurai who are fighting for their lives on a battlefield in order to convey that true Budo aspect of physical training. Um, and so I, I, that's where I would tear down not only the traditional, but also the spiritual or, or quasi-religious uh, tone of, of the Aikido reputation. And so it's a valid criticism. And I think it's one that has to be sorted out. Um, all right, Dan, you're, you're it. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, as you, I agree with all the points. Um, I think you've got to look at the era that you're looking at, obviously pre-war and post-war. I think it was a slightly different Aikido. Um, and yeah, the issue of, <laughs> Aikido is seen as this peaceful martial art, which I think is a good thing, like, but you also need to have like the, the mindset of the peaceful warrior. So you need to be able to turn it on when you need to turn it on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's maybe lost at the moment because people focus too much on the peaceful side of it and not, not enough on the hard physical. Not enough warrior. on the warrior side. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's too much skewed the other way. And this goes back to all the other points that we've just said about. Um, the tradition is obviously important to keep, um, but I also think that the, the founder would have would look at Aikido now and kind of go, uh, it's, it's, it's gone a little bit off, off the path that I, that I originally set out for it and where that happened. I don't know. You know, there's obviously loads of different styles of Aikido and each one's got its own little tweak, I suppose, like the Oshinkan system I, I trained in that's seen as like the harder system, I suppose, and focuses more on the, the body mechanics and less of the, the esoteric concepts of religion and things like that, mm -hmm. which, you know, I agree with, but there's still also elements in there of the compliance of the, of, you know all the things that we've discussed the ritual so, yeah and again just going back you know it it's not been tested and that's 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 the crux of the issue other other arts develop and evolve because they test they stand the test of time and they they develop in terms of the society that you live in and you can trace that all the way back to jiu-jitsu and the way that that's you know gone to judo and that's gone to brazilian jiu-jitsu now and it's kind of evolved and been tested through competition and through like the Valley Tudor and things like that, like no hold bards, which is just a fight. And it's like, okay, well, it works. Or no, it doesn't work. I need to go back to the drawing board. Aikido's mm -hmm. never had that. But whether it had that previously, I don't know. I would imagine that testing was done previously. And, you know, it's, it was seen as, a, a, Aikido was seen as a, a high level martial art where other arts would go to if they already had, you know, a background in something. They'd go and train with Osensei and go and train with him because, there was obviously something there to learn, but now it's like pfft, Aikido. Nah, I'm good. I'm just going to throw a leg kick and take you down. I'm all good. So where it's lost that, I don't know, but something needs to, well, I don't know. Maybe something doesn't need to be done. Maybe it's just like, okay, cool. But then it goes into the health and wellness and into the yoga Tai Chi kind of aspect rather than martial. And if that's what you're teaching, cool. But as I've always said, stay in your lane and don't give people false promises. If you're teaching something as a martial art, 
you need to pressure test it and you need to kind of go in even if you know pressure testing as you guys know has got different levels you'd have to be smashing the shit out of each other every single class but you need some level or go of picking a bar fight or something of that nature yeah exactly you know or learn from people that have done that so all right well my instructor has win and you know pick these bar fights or he's worked on the doors or he's done this or he's done that and he's got a real knowledge of of real world violence so at that point maybe you don't have to it's still good to i think and have that pressure and that adrenaline and things like that but you know if you've got an instructor that's done the hard work for you and knows what works and what doesn't then cool you can teach it as a martial art otherwise if you're only if your instructor's only experience of physical conflict has been in a dojo with your friend that you then go for a beer with after training it's like uh, can you teach it as martial art or can you teach it as a health thing stay in your lane mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the next one. Uh, also from Dan, he was on a roll this day. I, I can tell you, this is great. Emerging <laughs> here. That's right. Um, the sensei sensei senpai kohai approach to aikido negates real questions being asked as to the ap- applicability with full resisting opponent. Um, Uke is told to resist, but to resist in the correct way. And I think it's probably a subset of our of the previous discussion. Um, the excuse of this is that the relationship is traditional and uke must resist correctly in order for the shite to feel and learn. I hope I pronounced that right. Cause we always, always use the term nage. That's kind of how I was brought up, but in order for nage to feel and learn the technique correctly. Um, I, I think this is a, a byproduct of that, the nuance of cooperative training, uh, where the resistance that offered is in a very narrow band that allows just a little bit of creativity, but really nothing significant. Um, it, it, to me, is one of those things you can certainly have beginners start this way. In fact, it's better for them to start with limited variables. They only have to worry about learning a few things. But you, the goal is to grow them out of that, kind of like teaching somebody the language by starting with the alphabet. And then you know they learn their ABCs, and then they go on to forming words, and then they learn grammar, and then they learn, you know, on and on and on, but you can't stay learning the ABCs for 10 years. Like if you're doing that, you're a bad teacher and you're doing your, your students a disservice. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts? I, I agree with you. Um, you know, you want to start people off easy, especially beginners. You don't want to just power something on them. And you'd be a bad teacher not to throw too much at them. Absolutely. Um, but I think once you start attaining a certain level of proficiency in a technique, you really need to start resisting and you need to start alternating the way in which you do it. Because if you just do prearranged attack or grabs continually, when you really get attacked or grabbed again, it comes back to what we said earlier, you're, you're not going to know how to react and you're going to fall back to what you know and what you know is not going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. So um, resistive training is a good thing. And, and, grabbing someone and really grabbing someone. If I grab someone, you know, as well as I do, I'm not going to hold somebody's arm or hand. I'm going to punch them. That's, that's, that's what the grabs for. I'm going to come up and punch them. You drag them off their feet and yeah, have your way. Something with like that. So I, so much to say there, there's <laughs> false sense. You know, people think they're going to come up and just get grabbed. And then you stand there and you do the technique and it's, choppy motioned drilling it's not good flowing drilling and i i i I think that there needs to be a certain you know nage uke teacher student type of role but at the end of the day um there needs to be resistive 
and what I would consider applicable or practical um, attacks and technique. And you will have to work your technique in different ways. It's not going to look pretty if you're really doing it. Um, you know, it's beautiful in the dojo and it's great to throw people and have that kind of fun. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look good in real life and it shouldn't look good in real life. So you have to expect that, oh, I didn't throw them and they didn't go the right way or they didn't fall the right way or whatever the case is. Um, I, I think we have to do, do more as instructors and people that, that can spread Aikido to a, a different generation that we need to prove that there's applicability and we need to really start stressing the pressure testing, if that's what you want to call it, or however you want to call it, pressure testing, realistic training, you know, realistic. Um, I, I think that's the way it needs to be. And the, the whole the excuse, we need to do away with a lot of these excuses. And Dan brings up a lot of good points when he was at, when he was saying that on the, on the Facebook group mm -hmm. uh, for all 250 questions and answers he gave for us. Um, we, uh, I, I appreciate it. He came up with a lot of good stuff. And I, I, I have to say, that's just my opinion on the whole, we do or don't resist. I, we don't yeah. resist. People don't resist. And it's, it's pathetic in a lot of ways. And Aikido just looks bad. A lot of it is because of that, in my opinion, because that's what I hear the majority of people say when they look at Aikido, not just the dancing and the, the skirts that we wear, but, oh, you guys are just, you know, you aren't resisting. It's just somebody comes up and does a grab and then you do a technique. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a problem. Definitely. All right, Dan, your turn. Yeah. Um, again, I agree with all the points. I think it's, it's the issue of active resistance where it's like, okay, you can grab. And then if you're resisting, grab harder. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, that's it. But there's no, there's nothing else to it. You're not pushing, you're not pulling in a, or you're pushing and pulling, but in a certain way, you're pushing to help the the turn or the draw in, etc. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> when you grab and you get pushed, you're off your feet and you're getting pushed back and usually followed with something else. It's, you don't just stand there and grab and then grip harder. It's a grab and a push or a pull in or a headbutt or something like that. It's it's a follow on process. That grab and you know as I've said this before, but I think the grabbing part of Aikido is good. So I think in terms of you know people having grip strength and things, I think that's a good part of aikido because from day one we're taught how to grab whether it's lapel or wrist or etc which is great but we don't do anything with it or you guys you know aikido don't do anything with it they grab and then they grab harder for resistance but there's no active like i'm going to pull you in now and punch you or i'm going to pull you in and headbutt you or i'm going to push you off your feet and drive you forward which happens you know in fights you get driven into the wall get driven into the bar get tripped get pushed over and that's the issue that isn't dealt with and i think that's the problem with the majority of training for people that there just isn't it's it's resisting but it's passive resistance it's not active resistance and, it, and that's what i mean when i'm saying you're resisting but in a certain way as opposed to just kind of going right let's go you know i want to jump in with one last one here that i've noticed and that is in the attempt to i guess fight for relevancy what i've seen quite ha happen quite a bit uh, is okay we're going to make the choreographed Aikido go really fast. We're going to have the, the, the Uke rush up like in its dramatic run and do this grab and then have this huge dramatic throw. It's really just doing the choreography faster and with a harder, more dramatic throw on the end. But there isn't that Uke activity other than him trying to make the camera or make the viewer drawn in by, by having this excessive motion. Yeah. And it was 
me taking a very close look at Steven Seagal's demonstrations and how that translated into his movies, um, his movie choreography that I did a breakdown of until when I really, this came so clear into, into my mind when I saw every attack that he got was two hands grab laying there, uh, or okay, laying both hands on either of, of his upper arms. Like there wasn't a punch. There was the one where, where it was a kick punch combination, but this is what I call demo Aikido. It's just meant to look dramatic and it accomplishes it that, I mean, it just is certainly visually appealing especially done at high speed because the eye finds high speed, very dramatic. Um, but it's, it, it's a whole different creature when somebody rushes up to you and you have no idea what they're about to do to you. And they could, you know, punch, tackle, you name it. You have to act differently than if you are, if you are behaving in a choreographed combina- uh, relationship. And the speed has nothing to do with it. Um, and, and this is, I think we could go down a rabbit hole of the whole demo demonstration Aikido, but it's something that, uh, is, is an issue. Um, teaching the choreography both ways prepares to make you a movie star or a stunt man. It's not so much for an actual self-defense type realm. Um, and rather than go down that rabbit hole farther, let's get on to the next one. Um, there's so many, we could talk for a week. I'm sure on all of this stuff. It's great. Uh, here's the last one from Dan. Uh, the criticism is that Aikido, princi- uh, Aikido principles are too esoteric to learn for most people who wish for functionality in a relatively short time. Train for years in Aikido and a wrestler with six months of training will destroy you, usually if you only study Aikido. Uh, and the excuse is that Aikido is a complex martial art relying on exploiting the body's weak points and being aware of your own center and strong points. Um, Brandon, do you want to go for that one? Sure. Um, so I, I agree with the, the main point that if you are a six month grappler and you've trained consistently, you will take down an experienced Akitoka. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I was awokened a little bit mm-hmm. when that happened to me. And it was, I don't want to say life-changing, but it, it actually kind of was life-changing because it made me realize the absolute limitations of what I knew versus what reality really was. Would you and say it was a crisis of faith moment? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I've used Aikido in my previous job as a law enforcement officer, so I know certain things work. Mm-hmm. also know that certain things don't work, and I found out quickly when I was taken down how quick, how much things really didn't work, and I was centered, and that didn't matter. Um, you give a good grappler your legs and they're going to, it doesn't matter how your stance is, you're going to the ground. If you're not up against something, you're just going to the ground. And I was systematically destroyed. It was like a chess move. And so from that point on, my mind changed dramatically because previously, I don't know about anybody else that has done Aikido, but I was always told, you just, you just don't need to go to the ground. You just stop them from taking you to the ground. And there's these special moves that we can use to stop people from going to the ground. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, every time it failed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know what more to say. It's, that is a, a, uh, that is a, a big rabbit hole, I think, in our, our art, our main art. It is. Um, and for me, the one that I'm going to tear down here um, is that with the excuse that Aikido is a complex martial art, blah, 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 blah. 
this is something that, yes, I think any martial art is complex. You, you can't tell me that there's a simple martial art out there that just, that does no. not, does not exist. There's the creature just is a mythical beast, but trying to say that it's so complex that nobody can understand it is basically a bad teacher. Right. Expecting their student to dedicate decades to something that they will say, well, you, you probably will never understand it. Like if any teacher told me that I'd say, you're a poor teacher. I'm just not even going to bother because there's nothing that's beyond understanding or comprehension. I mean, there, there kind of is, we talk about things like, you know, quantum mechanics and, and things like that. But in terms of the physical realm, you can get a great level of understanding saying that the art is complex and therefore it, it can't be learned uh, at least in a, in a cohesive way, in my opinion, is a cop-out. It's a way for somebody who's a poor teacher uh, who either can't communicate well or doesn't want to, or they don't know what they're talking about and they want to sound like they do. They want to sound credible, like they're promising you this access to some kind of a power, because that's all really martial arts is, is access to, to a, a certain amount of, of capability, of a higher level of capability. You promise that and then you don't deliver it. You say, well, it's too complicated. It takes years and years and years and you, you should keep going. And that is where we start to cross into the cult-like behavior, where you have these people who are seeking knowledge and, and skill and understanding, and it's always kept from them. It's always kept just beyond their reach to kind of bait them into getting deeper and deeper and deeper and accepting the, you know, the, the, the membership into the cult, all the while they're contributing to it, usually money, but also time and effort. All right. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a glitch. Uh, what we we're talking about was the kind of the cult-like behavior of making the, the skills and what Aikido promises to train people elusive. And, and the, the idea that, that this art is so complex that it really can't be learned or understood, in my opinion, is, is a problem. It's a problem for practitioners. It's also a problem for prospective new students who would want to commit a huge amount of time to something that you're outright told you're never, or, or you're never going to get tangible benefit out of, or it's going to take decades in order to do that. And for Aikido people that are scratching their heads, wondering why, why are new people not signing up and not coming in? To me, this is a, a very tangible issue that needs to be dealt with. And, um, and so I, I, it, it disappoints me when, when the, oh, it's so complex, you can't understand it, or it takes a long time. Uh, you know, I've, I've spent some time asking many people that are, that have been doing Aikido for 10 plus years, how long did it take you in studying a, a, you, this martial art for you to feel at least somewhat confident that if somebody got up in your face and attacked you, that you would be able to competently deal with that attack. And the low end was eight to 10 years in terms of the answers that I got. Some of them said 15 or 20 and others said, I've been doing Aikido for over 15 or 20 years. And I still don't feel confident to, to handle such an attack. And I was like, I was appalled. Like if this is a martial art, th these are completely unacceptable answers. Why are they still training then? Uh, you got to right. wonder. And I mean, I, I give it to you that I, the, the camaraderie is great. The physical training is great. Um, or at least it can be, uh, you know, they could just do it out of habit. They could do it that they love dressing up in, in the Hakama or, you know, doing their little cosplay LARPing thing. I mean, I don't know. It could be the politics and the dojo that they like to indulge in. 
could be any number of things. But at the end of the day, that answer was was haunting to me. And it, this wasn't like five or 10 people that I talked to. I would anybody I knew that was above about Shodan, because I figured, you know, maybe there's some Shodans out there that feel, you know, yeah, I, I studied for about two, three years. And then I started feeling like, you know, I could I could deal with it. I, I got none of that. Um, and so that kind of speaks to this whole how complex is the art? You know, if you make something so complex that you admit you can't understand it, your brain will not be able to understand it. Well, let me pose you this counter to that. If uh, take the complexity issue out of it, if we started actively resisting and actually going full on with attacks in a safe manner, of course, but if we started doing that, do you think that might uh, improve people's chances of effectively using it? For instance, and I'm going to use judo and jujitsu as, as an example, because I would consider them complex arts as well, but they Definitely. act against each other and you can, you can use them. And I, I feel that learning through the act of resisting the, the, the grappling and fighting or whatever you want to call it actually helps people learn the techniques better. So maybe that's, that is a huge downfall of Aikido. And we, I mean, that's another point that we made, but I'm wondering if that could maybe elevate people's techniques as far as being able to use Aikido. For sure. I, I wouldn't even say that it segment. might. It, it, it does. And it this is yeah. something that I, I tried. Uh, I started doing with my brand new students about five or six years ago is basically I wanted to say, why is it that we take years, Aikido, take years to build that competence when other other arts are doing it in six to 12 months? And I'm not talking about creating a combat monster here. I'm talking about somebody that's fairly confident in stuff and takes a swing at them, like simple, basic stuff, shoves them, grabs them, you know, that sort of thing. And so my, my goal was to shorten that curve. And I used exactly the formula that you're talking about. Yes, you start out brand new people, you know, where they need to start. Some people are so, they have no physical background whatsoever, and you need to start them at, you know, square one with the ABCs. But the goal is within about six months, you can get people to understand what it's like to have somebody take a wild swing at you and know what to, how to respond correctly and do so in a physical manner. Um, and, and I've, I wanted to, to take this and sort of use my students as guinea pigs. Like, could this be done? And could it be done from an Aikido perspective, not turn it into a combatives class? Although right. there's the flavor of combatives because that's kind of what combatives are about. And I respect them for that, where we, we focus on the real world attacks, the ones they are most likely to, to encounter. And I found those to be hard shoves, hard grabs. Um, and I'm talking more of a hockey grab than a delicate, you know, nice little, a gentle collar grab or a wrist grab that Aikido is known for, um, as well as things like getting into a clinch, having people trying to tackle you or take you down, um, real world stuff like that. In addition to some of the, you know, your typical cross hand grab and, and whatnot, but I always teach them even to brand new students, like, okay, we're going to teach the static. Now I'm going to, now you're going to get grabbed and pulled. And this is how you blend your technique in with the direction that you're being pulled, because that might be how you would do it. So I, I don't even think it's a theoretical brand. And I think it's a, it's a hard, absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, you know, any, any decent martial art instructor, regardless of the art should look, take a hard look at, at having that template of learning and using it 
if they're not already. And if they are, that's great. That's really cool. That like martial art needs more of you. If you're doing that as an instructor, this is, that's what martial arts needs. Um, if not, you're probably hurt harming the martial arts pursuit more than you are helping it. Um, Dan, was there something you wanted to throw in? No, I think you kind of covered it, to be honest with you. Cool. Um, yeah. Just the main question of if after 15 years and you, uh, however higher a degree black belt you are and you still don't feel confident to get some pisshead in the street that's going to yeah. throw a swing at you and you still going to go, uh, I'm not sure. And, and just training? to define confidence, I think it's important. It's not to say that you run into some monster like Brock Lesnar and go, yeah, I can easily take this guy. Yeah. It's Average you, you, you start to feel such fear that anyone approaches you and you just start to shrink like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm totally in over my head. Yeah. And for for somebody who has not gone through the curve of, you know, eyeing somebody up and going, I, I, I'm, I'm capable enough to, to have a good chance in this situation kind of points that they've, they've, they've had that low ceiling cooperative training. They're stuck there. Um, so, all right, well, let's move on. Uh, and this comes from, I, I really hope I pronounced your name correctly. Irvin, uh, uh, his criticism is Aikido doesn't have enough floor-based or ground-based techniques. Uh, for example, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, and the excuse is, and Brandon touched on this one earlier, this is perfect. Aikido practitioners would never let an opponent take them to the ground. <laughs> if, there was, if there was one that needed the BS award gold medal, this one would probably be it right here. The, yeah. the fact of our balance will be so perfect, our, our awareness will be so razor sharp, and our movement will be so well-timed and perfect that no one can take us to the ground, or God forbid, we start from the ground, like... Uh, to me is so absurd that it just, I, I'm, I would even have trouble like putting logic to it because it's so far off the planet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> Let's say just stop with that. Yeah. Now, I guess to replace it, I would say, and this is something my instructor uh, would always tell me, he said, you can never count on always having your balance. The real world will take you off balance sometimes. It's how quickly you get your balance and posture back. That's the important part. And I think that that's, that is solid wisdom uh, as opposed to trying to say, oh, we'll never be taken off our feet. Um, now, I will grant you that, that I've heard that wrestlers will often say of Aikidoka that they're hard to get off the ground, uh, onto the ground because they tend to move around so damn much. And you look at a good solid wrestler and they do exactly the same thing. They don't want to be taken down. They use good footwork. They're always shifting and moving. So Aikido has got some, some good stuff in there, but you can't let that cross into the arrogance realm of saying you're never going to be taken off the ground because boy, howdy, you will be. Um, so I think that was a great point. Do you guys have anything to add on that one? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think again, yeah, maybe Aikidoka have really good footwork and movement and things like that, but only a certain range. And then mm -hmm. as soon as you get to a different range, which is comfortable for a wrestler, you are getting taken down. And I think that anyone that says like, okay, you're just not going to end up on the floor because my, my center and my power and my balance is, is so astronomically good. It's just, again, never been put in that position where they actually have gone, oh. And then they just, again, you know, someone with six months wrestling against, you know, some of these guys that you've just mentioned in 10, 15 years training, et cetera, they will get taken down. And again, it just shows that ignorance and that arrogance um, mm -hmm. of just kind of going, oh, well, I've never been put in that position. So therefore it won't happen. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's just nonsense. And it's you know, a it, funny thing too, when I, when yeah. I see there, and there are some instructors out there that will, will put up stuff for how do you defeat a leg takedown or how do you defeat a, a wrestler tackle or something of that nature. And inevitably they don't use anything like what a wrestler would use to stop another wrestler from doing that. They don't use the sprawl most often. I mean, there are people like Bruce Bookman and, and a few handful of others that do. Um, but by and large, they teach, well, you know, you sit your weight down or you sit your center down and you keep your shoulders up and you twist or you turn or you put a hand there. And like, I train with a wrestler. None of, none of that stuff will work. You have to do what another wrestler would do to stop that from happening. And, and I, this is where I think that Aikido often strays into the snake oil salesman realm of coming up with kind of nonsense that looks feasible to yeah. convince each other that they have an answer when in yeah. fact they don't. Um, and that's, yeah, they'll talk a lot, but not a lot of action. Perhaps. <laughs> right. But and once you've got theory. a well-programmed UK that won't push past yeah. the weakness and, and exploit it, then now you've got kind of a recipe for, for, you know, delusion, really. Um, I think, you uh, know, being on the ground is never a good thing. And I think right. most people attest to that. It's just not good. Like even BJJ guys that spend their life on the ground, it's a completely different realm to being in the street and doing that where you've got other people mm -hmm. and you've got, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, your second guy maybe that's behind you. And as you're focusing on the ground, you get a kick in the face or something like that. But learning something so simple as like a technical get up, that's kind of enough, you know, yeah. keep someone at bay. It's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep on the hips, keep them at bay that way. And then just learn to get up. That mm -hmm. could be an awesome thing that Aikido could kind of put into its syllabus or put into its yeah. training, just how to get up off the floor. Because to, to just go, oh, we'll never end up on the floor is, yeah, it's just ignoring I, that's, a In fact, problem. I'd say any martial artist that can't has got a gaping hole in their, in their abilities and yeah. their skills. Like, because that's fighting. You know, fighting is fighting. Uh, but being able to get up off the ground is, is a crucial uh, skill. Um, all right, let's move to the next one. Uh, uh, Irvin had another one, um, which is Uke leaves the arm extended after the first attack, and that doesn't happen in real life. And he says the excuse, and he said, they're all bad, in my opinion. Uh, if you stop the arm well enough, they won't be able to do anything after. And I'll grant you, that's an excuse I've, I've not heard before, but certainly the criticism is valid. And, and I, I think we could elaborate that, that criticism to being that Uke executes an attack and then stops and then lets Nage take his turn and, and do whatever he wants with, with him. And, um, but Dan, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, take the lead on it. Yeah, um, I agree. Like, I think, yeah, the, the stopping and leaving the arm out there, I don't think that's just for Aikido either. I've seen other martial arts do it. Oh, yeah. Where people will extend a jab and then leave it or they'll not make the distance. So they'll do a jab and a cross, but it was never actually going to touch the face. It's always like a couple of inches. And then someone does something like a weird trap or something like that. It's like, yeah, but the range is wrong. Like the jab was never going to connect. The cross was never going to connect. So it's awesome doing all this trapping and things like that. But the distance was wrong from the very start. So that's mm -hmm. kind of an issue that, you know, is definitely there. Um, and then the grabbing thing, as you said, you know, they'll, they'll grab and then they'll stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's it. There's no active, again, active resistance. There's no, there's no comeback to that. People don't just grab you and stop. They'll grab to do something else. It's a it's a setup move. They'll grab to pull. They'll grab to push. They'll grab to drive, etc. So, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brandon, how about you? He covered it. Yeah. <laughs> that, 
my exact thoughts. Um, sure. uh, uh, yeah, I guess to summarize it up, it seems like it's certainly one of those things as you're dealing with brand new people, you need to slow things down and show them sometimes in painful detail, which might involve Uke stopping or moving really super slow so that yes. they can get, then pick it up. But these habits cannot last through the training cycle of a martial artist. They have to be grown out of as, as quickly as, as a teacher can guide that student out of. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm, all, I'm all for doing stuff slowly. Yeah. I think that's super yeah. important, but do it correctly as well. Right. This is not doing it slowly or correctly, or right. it's doing it slowly and incorrectly, sorry. Yeah. Rule number one, retract a jab retract mm -hmm. a punch, bring it back to your face. That's day one of kickboxing class, day one of boxing class. Day you send it out, you bring it back, that's it. You don't just go up and then leave it out there for five minutes while we apply a wrist lock, apply a joint lock, things like that. So right. for sure, do it slowly, send the jab out slowly, but then bring it back slowly as well. Don't just leave it hanging out. So it's training the correct way. Yep. And I, as an instructor, this is a curve that I went through to try to solve this problem myself. And to me, the answer was, how do you explain to a student the timing like what does timing mean because it all has to do with timing and when they when a punch retracts that's usually when you have a slight window of opportunity that's about to slam shut because once that punch is back it's loaded to go again there you just missed your window and so there's a time when a student needs to hear that and needs to go through it and understand it but if you skip over that because you're teaching all your ukes to leave their arms hanging out now, as a teacher, you're, you're, you're missing a major learning point that every martial artist needs to understand. And you can give lip service to timing, but this is exactly the time in the process where a student needs to understand that he's getting the footwork or getting the body movement, getting the placement he needs to get. That's where you move. Then you need to learn when and, and what you can do in that short, that short opportunity window that you're looking for. And especially how to spot when you've missed it. Like, that's yeah. when students get confused. Like what happened? Why didn't this work is, and the answer is you missed the timing. Here's what you're looking for. Uh, and all these things I think can be explained very cleanly by somebody that, that is, that knows what they're, they're trying to convey. And that's the important part. Um, Brennan, anything or Dan, somebody, <laughs> anything else? That's it. I mean, I covered it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll just jump to the next one. Um, Again, Urban uh, Sioto, he's giving you a run for your money, Dan, and, and coming up with some good ones. Uh, the criticism, why don't you use punches in training? And maybe, I, I'm not sure exactly the, the entire point here. Maybe he sees a lot of, and this is what I see, sh uh, Shomenuchi attack being used for everything. Every demonstration, you know, or every instruction tends to start with that Shomenuchi attack. Like, where are the punches? And the excuse is we are developing our control or we would have to use uh, mouth guards and would have to use gloves if we were going to get into punching, uh, presumably because it, it's so damaging or it's so dangerous to train. Um, I, yeah, if that's the excuse, uh, and, I, and I've heard that, like, you know, punching is too dangerous. Well, is it? I don't necessarily think so. If you can control your speed and everybody can, you don't even without mouth guards and, and having to use padded gloves, you can train without sending people to the hospital or losing teeth. So I, uh, to me, that sounds like the getting into the cop-out range of, well, you know, this is so dangerous. We have to go so light that, that this could kill anybody, you know, with a, with a motion. 
And I'm like, well, unless you're really a total cream puff, that's just not true. You know, um, what do you guys think? I honestly have not heard that. I've always trained with strikes mm -hmm. it when I started Aikido and other mm -hmm. arts, obviously, but yeah, strikes have always been a part Kautsky and all those mm -hmm. variations. Um, even at seminars, even though punches were, were retracted and we obviously weren't going to hit each other, we still did it. Um, sure. So I personally have not seen or heard that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I can't speak from any kind of, I, I think that's bullshit. But I don't, I've never seen that or heard right. that. So I, I, I personally can't sure. say one way or another on that. How about you, Dan? Any thoughts? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a weird one because it goes back to what we said about the traditional chop, chop things. But equally, what's the problem we're putting a mouth guard in? What's the problem we're putting some, some gloves on occasionally and going to going, okay, well, fine. You know, why not? Just because sure. traditional martial art doesn't mean that you can't go, all right, well, today we're going to look at something different. We're going to look at more of the Goshen Jitsu or some of the self-defense stuff. But some of the self-defense stuff that I've seen, the Goshen Jitsu, is still just like compliant grabbing with nothing. It's like, oh, a bear hug. But they don't do anything from the bear hug. They just wait there and then go, oh, drop your weight, put a Sankar Joe on or something like that. It's like, no, that's not Goshen Jitsu. That's uh, applied Aikido, maybe, mm -hmm. a, a loose a really loose because <laughs> I wouldn't even say it's applied really, but it's sure. just deviating from the key on. Um, but yeah, what's, what's the problem with just, I've always trained with punches and even if it's from the traditional thing of going, all right, we're going to do the technique, but then even, you know, my Uki, I've been to them like, oh, all right, we'll throw it from a punch now and see what happens. Or, and again, Joe Tambu says, so he, he does that a lot and he does demonstrations from kicks and punches and things like that and swings, which I like. He doesn't just do the traditional right. grab the, the mm -hmm. usual, kind of you know routine i suppose he looks at, at different things but i think again he's maybe in the minority of the aikido practitioners that do that but i think yeah definitely like again if you if you're trying to teach something as a martial art you should look at what martial means <laughs> and you know if you're looking for something for self-defense train punches true mm -hmm. that's like a no-brainer i think right. like, yeah, yeah it's just a no-brainer yeah well said um all right the next one uh, uh next two actually come from uh, Brian Russell, who says the criticism is that Aikido only works against untrained, drunk, et cetera, attackers, not against anyone with skill. And uh, boy, I've heard this one quite a bit. Um, and the excuse is that Aikido isn't meant for fighting uh, trained people in a ring or a cage. Um, who wants to field that one first? Anybody? All right, well, I'll jump in with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are different realms of violence in the realm of a real world encounter that perhaps started with a verbal exchange, like an argument has got is a different level of engagement than two fighters that knew for weeks, they were about to get into a fight with each other and are put into a competition ring or a cage. They know exactly when it's time for that referee to raise his hand, that it's going to be full on physical go time. Now, in a, in a mugging or a, some kind of a street altercation or an argument or, or where fights tend to happen for us civilized people or we civilians, it doesn't work that same way. There, is, there are considerations for uh, leading in to uh, how does the, the fight actually start. It might be somebody who is drunk. Maybe that's why they are angry. Maybe they are on drugs um, and they will attack 
a little differently than George St. Pierre would or, you know, Anderson Silva. So yes, you want to train for what your student is likely going to encounter and they aren't going to encounter a ring fight that they might encounter a real actual person. And I think that that's an important training uh, factor to, to consider. But the second one is that if you assume that your, whatever you execute, whatever technique that you try will not be countered, that's a, that's a major problem because even somebody who is drunk or untrained may counter or resist what it is you try to do to them uh, or the technique that you try to do, which gets us back to our previous discussion about a creative uke or one that tries to counter or resist or somehow foil whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, I think that the excuse that Aikido is designed merely to, to, to face people with no ability, how much martial art training do you really need to deal with somebody who's blind drunk? Like, do you need eight to 10, 15, 20 years worth of martial art training to deal with that guy? No. So I, I don't think that that is really a valid excuse for, you know, uh, assuming that, that you will always take your opponent by surprise, you'll always get them helpless and you'll always be able to succeed with whatever technique you're going to do. They could be slippery, wily. They could even just fall and wind up foiling your technique. So this is where the adaptability of technique I think is important. Um, and it's also important to put in perspective where you are going to be expressing your art. It's a lot different in a ring. And there was a great video where they took some MMA fighters out to the Marine Corps training camp and said, here's how the Marines train. And they put them through kind of their paces. And they had, they sort of did, Here, here's the Marines in the ring with these MMA fighters. And the Marines didn't do terribly well. Then they took the MMA fighters out onto a Marine course and ran them through facing the Marines. And the MMA fighters didn't do very well. So not, not to say either one of them are superior, but they are, they are meant to, to be effective within their realms and civilian violence is its own realm. So in fact, I would say it's, it's one of the harder realms to deal with because there are so many different ways it can happen and so many different surprises that can be thrown your way. And those, those two apply to the, to the Marines and to the military, but what the military often has is support. You have a team that you are on and Oftentimes with civilian violence, you're on your own and it can happen anytime, anywhere. A soldier generally knows when he's on a battlefield and that when he needs to be quote unquote on, whereas in a civilian environment, you could be at the grocery store or go into your car or anywhere and, you know, late at night, you're tired, you're after your shift and bang, now you're in, now you're in a fight. So, um, I guess those are some different comments or, uh, about, about the subject of the untrained uh, as your opponent. Any ideas? Well, one thing I'll mention is, I don't know if anybody's actually fought a drunk, but their pain compliance is a lot different than someone that might be sober. Absolutely. Same thing with angry. Yes. And having dealt with drunks, it's hard to control sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy. So to say that Aikido can be used against drunk people versus other people, I, I'm I don't think that's accurate. I think there's so many variables mm -hmm. when dealing with anyone that, especially someone that might be drunk, it's not so easy. Um, sure. Dan, anything? Yeah, I think martial arts now tend to be judged on the basis of whether it will work in a ring or a cage. 
And I think that's the majority. And yeah, cool. And there's a reason for that because everything's tried and tested in the ring of the cage, but it's tried and tested in one specific arena, as you alluded to, where it's like, okay. And we do have that criticism coming up soon, that the, the MMA one. So we'll get to that as well. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but as you said, it's, it's you know, it's in a an environment where you know you're going to fight. And self-defense, the whole idea of it is you're defending yourself. You're not prepared. You haven't just done an eight-week fight training camp. You're not in the best shape of your life. Maybe you're, you've had a few beers and a kebab and you're not feeling the best and you're on your way home. And this is where it's more important at that point to go into like the awareness stuff that not even the physical skills of self-defense, like the awareness being in groups, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the more important aspect of self-defense than, oh, can I apply a wrist lock if someone grabs me? Can I do that? It's like, no, it's, it's largely irrelevant. <laughs> It's like, can you get home safe? The best self-defense is when absolutely nothing happens and you just walk through your front door after a good night out. It's like, cool, then I did my job at that point. So, I don't know. Um, Aikido only works for drunk people and things like that. Arguably, it doesn't really work for drunk people either. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. I don't think anything works if you don't test it. And again, it goes back to that compliance thing. Like, So, I'd I'd argue that it wouldn't even work against drunk people for the majority of people. So, and that's, that's maybe therein where the issue lies. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Brian Russell had another one. He said, criticism is that Aikido knife defenses suck and no one is going to attack you with a sword. Um, Who wants to go on first? Knife defense, right. I don't know. Knife defense is always a tricky one, no matter what, because the knife defense that every single martial arts does, unless you may be looking at something like Kali or something like that, which is maybe slightly more accurate but i think the majority is artificial and it's not real and there was a great video of guru dan and santo doing a thing with the police officers where it was like them versus a gun and or they had their gun and they had to draw the weapon before dan got to them and stabbed them and every single time dan just rushed in and and just yeah because it just takes so long to kind of draw and prepare for anything and with knife defenses there's always one stab which I just do not, it's like, uh, and then again, it's the retraction thing. They leave the arm out so you can apply the wrist slot. You can do whatever you want. No, stabbing from what I, and luckily I've never been in that situation, but from what I've seen or read about things like that, it's like a pepper emotion. So retract and withdraw, retract and withdraw, whether it's like ice pick grip or whether it's like a standard grip, they just want to put holes in. So there's just no time. And that's, if you see the knife, great. But then there's also the issue of a lot of the time you won't see the knife. And with your adrenaline firing off and things like that, you probably won't even feel the blade right. until it's too late at that point. It's like, oh, well, there's just nothing you can do. But I also don't think that Aikido says that it's a good knife defense system. I, I, and if it does, then sh- shut up and <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but, but I don't think it purports to be. Again, I think it's part of the tradition thing of like the the tanto the wakazashi the katana i think it's another traditional aspect of training the same as you do with the stick um with the the joe and the bokken and things like that. i think it's more of the traditional side than this will work in a street fight and mm-hmm. so i think again it's important to differentiate between the two sure all right brandon you're up i agree i think uh there is no legitimate knife defense in aikido um but then we say knife defense what does that really mean because if you're going to get stabbed i my experience has shown that if somebody has a knife and they're really going to stab you and the situation um, allows it, you're going to get stabbed at some point. You may not die, but you're going to get cut, even if you are defending. Um, I think it was it Josh Gold that was doing some real good research on knife. Yeah, he got together with Jeff Imada, who's a knife uh, knife practitioner, and they, yeah. they kind of tore apart that 
tore down the illusion uh, about, yeah. about Aikido's knife defenses. Yeah, well, there's none, in my opinion. I don't right. see any. Yeah. Again, it's, it's traditional movements, but there's no practicality to it. Right. And if you fight somebody that's a Filipino knife fighter mm-hmm. who trains in that stuff, kind of stuff, done. I mean, you're done. There, there's no, it doesn't matter what you know. I mean, you're, you're done. Right. Um, knives are really dangerous weapons. And I don't care what martial art you do. I think if somebody presents a knife and you can't run away or you can't stop that threat via firearm or something, you're, you're going to get hurt. Sure, That's yeah. just my personal opinion. That's what I've seen and experienced. So mm-hmm. It's like um, you get in a water fight, expect to get wet. Getting a knife, get cut. Getting a water fight, expect to get wet. Getting a knife, right. get cut. Isn't it? It's the same thing. It's yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, as I said, I've luckily I've never experienced it, but I know people that have, yeah. and there's just no stopping it. Sometimes. And you know, people say run away, and it's like okay. And I know someone in London that was based out of some knife crime, London, not good, but he's he's trained a lot and done a lot of door stuff and had a lot of experiences with knives. And he he tested it with his students where he said, okay, run. And nine times out of 10, they caught him. And at that point, yeah. it was done, stabbed, thank you. And at that point, you're out of breath and you're done anyway, so you can't fight back. So sure. there is no knife defense, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the criticism that Aikido knife defenses suck is absolutely, it's yeah. unarguable. Like No argument gar- that. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like from a teaching standpoint, is it better to teach garbage than to teach nothing at all? I think it's better to teach nothing at all than to teach garbage. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's not to say that there are not- What's that? It's how you frame it again, though. If you kind of go, this is looking at the traditional aspect of our martial art. This is where we came from. We came from the samurai, blah, 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 blah. We're going to look at some, you know, this is this is the historical reason because they had armor here, here, here. So these are the weak points. Cool. Teach it as that. But then don't also say, right, this is really good self-defense now. Well, even by framing, you could say, well, what, what I'm about to show you, these are the quote unquote traditional, I'll get back to that word, knife <laughs> stuff that, that the defenses that Aikido teaches even if you say it's garbage and then you spend an hour teaching your students, yeah. didn't you just waste that hour? I mean, if, if you admit that and, you know, but the other thing, and you guys have it right, that yes, you do want to get the hell away from that knife and run away if you can, but running away is precarious. And we just, uh, just my last episode was on, on the knife and on the, the deadly level um, fights and, and violence, lethal level. Um, and just kind of to, to sum up, though, there is there are ways that you have to learn if, if you're going to try to survive those things. There are fundamentals of it, but Aikido doesn't have any of them. They, they really don't. Um, and I think that that they need if, if you're going to take it on, that's something that needs to be absorbed from from arts and practitioners and instructors that have material that that is pretty good. And I won't say um, great. And I, I heard this put by Ryan Hoover over at, um, uh, what is he, what's his, his site? I can't remember the name of it, but he's an instructor and he, he says, I don't like knife defenses. I don't like that my own knife defenses that I teach. I just like them better than everything else that I've seen. And that's a good sobering perspective of the fact that when you face a knife, it, it is very, very dangerous. I mean, and there's a good chance you will not per- succeed or survive. Uh, but by training, you can improve your odds as best you can. And that's about all you can hope for. Um, but, you know, teaching fundamental, you know, quote unquote fundamentals, if they're bad, are they fundamentals? 
if, if it's a fundamental, it should be good. It should serve. Yeah, us, exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 this is the knife will point it out. And the last one I want to address is no one's going to attack you with a sword. Um, very rarely, but you know, given the level of lunacy these days, and I've been seeing you know articles from time to time going back 10, 15 years of some nut job that grabs a a katana running down the street or you know, it can happen, but of course the odds of it are so remotely against you. I'd say the same thing about Aikido's stuff with the sword, especially when it comes to disarms, absolute garbage. Yeah. If someone with zero skill and an intent has got a sword and they get near you, you're pretty much going to be toast. And that's whether you try to do Aikido's sword disarms or, or what have you, or you, just about whatever you try a sword is an incredibly dangerous tool that makes a knife look like a walk in the park um and just somebody waving it around carelessly in fact it would probably be more dangerous because with a predictable nice cut that you can see coming you have an idea where that thing is coming and going to but just waving it around especially something really sharp it's like trying to stick your hand or your arm into a, a into a cuisinart it's just yeah. going to get lopped off yeah. and so um I'm highly critical of the knife work. And I think that the sword stuff is, is a complete joke. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you're creating more danger to your students by, by showing them that than you are just ignoring it entirely. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump to the, Oh, I'm sorry. We, that was just the criticism. I even forgot to mention the excuse. Well, we just jumped all over that one. Um, but it says the excuse is that the weapons are there to train our footwork, blending, empty hand techniques. Beside, did you, did you hear about that one guy in the Philippines, uh, Malawi, Brazilian favela, who was attacked with a machete? Same kind of a thing. You know, there are machete sword attacks that happen once in a blue moon. But the idea that, that training knives and, and with swords is to train your footwork and to train your empty hand stuff. There's a tiny little bit of truth, I think, in, in training weapons to improve your movement. But by and large, it's more, I think, for entertainment and for doing samurai cosplay than, and LARP, samurai LARPing than it is for actual practical uh, training methods. Yeah, That's kind of my view of it. Yeah, if, you look, if you're looking at weapons and stuff like that, I'd say if you want to delve into that, go to the Philippines. You know, martial arts, yeah. look at the yeah. stuff like the Kali, the Screamer, because I think, you know, that's all valid stuff. And again, that's mm -hmm. been tried and tested through people actually having machete knife fights and things like that and <laughs> having stick fights. And it's like, yeah, shit, like, I don't want to do that. But you can learn the lineage of where it's come from. Sure. But in terms of Aikido, it's like, nah, like there's nothing there of, of, of substantive, substantive value in sure. terms of. Uh, this one uh, came from Dan. I guess you, you had this one come in afterwards, but the criticism is that uh, conditioning is a huge factor in all martial arts, uh, body conditioning, mental conditioning, and body and building the body up. Aikido says that it's a, there's a strong emphasis on building the body, but it is only structurally. Um, to throw a leg kick at most Aikidoka, and they're going to definitely feel it and be out of commission. Uh, most real-life altercations last seconds, but you're knackered because of adrenaline. Uh, Aikido practitioners aren't athletes and generally have a low fitness level compared to other martial artists. The excuse is that Aikido doesn't use athletics, so strength isn't needed for technique to work. Aikido is so efficient that it doesn't rely on athletics. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Let, let, me, let me take the brunt on this one, because 
I'll tell you how many morbidly obese Aikido practitioners and instructors are out there. Yeah. I'm just going to call the elephant in the room for what it is. <laughs> Zero level of athletic ability. And I, and I will give a, a grant a lot of latitude for people that are, have trained for so many years that their knees are bad or that they, you know, they're older. I have, I have a great deal of respect for that. But on the other hand, I can also look at somebody's body and say, boy, you've let this thing slide. <laughs> like there's no excuse for being in such bad physical condition that you can really not walk across the floor without huffing and puffing and gasping for breath. Like right. unless there's a medical condition, obviously that's, that's some, something to do with it. But um, the fact that I think that the excuse is, well, we're so efficient that no muscle is needed or no, uh, no strength is, is, is needed is any real martial artist would just go get out of here with that. Just, just be quiet. <laughs> like, yeah. I have to call it for what it is, you know, um, no, you guys, thoughts? Right. I agree. I mean, there is, there are some, I used to be very out of shape. Um, so I can understand where a lot of people are coming from, but you have to have some sort of physicality in doing any kind of physical technique. And Aikido is not excluded from that. So I, I don't buy that at all, personally. Um, you nailed it. You, you were exactly correct in your assessment of everything. So yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Sure. How about you, Dan? Yeah, a martial art that doesn't need athleticism. It's like, uh, it just doesn't gel with me. It doesn't, no, it, it's not a thing. Like martial arts should be a physical thing. They should be, a, and that maybe there's a reason why there's the Aikido. All right, sorry about that little break. We can have Dan go on his point. Go ahead. Yeah, um, martial arts and physicality, I think go hand in hand. Um, and maybe this is a question that needs asking why Aikido practitioners are generally seen as of a certain age and perhaps of a certain weight as well. You don't see many high level Aikido guys that are in their 20, 30s and are, you know, fit and athletic. And maybe that's that's a question that needs asking as to reason why and a bit of a mindset shift needed. Um, I think the argument that, oh, well, you know, we don't need to use strength and power, bullshit. <laughs> you get a 20, 30 year old, they're gonna use strength and power, sorry. But I think as you get older and you get more proficient and you get more technical, that should become more technical but an element of fitness is going to be needed regardless um and yeah there should be an, an element of physical conditioning like just if you're a martial artist and if you claim to be a martial artist or a martial arts practitioner you should have it doesn't have to be an elite level of fitness it has to be a functional level of fitness especially if what you claim to be teaching is self-defense where it's over in seconds as as is said but within those few seconds, it's a hundred percent blitz high intensity. And at the end of it, you're blowing hard against a fully resistant opponent. If you're not used to that, that's going to be a big, big, big shock. You know, I, I think one of the byproducts or the results of the attitude of teaching or, or marketing Aikido as being, well, you don't need strength or you don't need athleticism is you create an expectation in the student's mind of, Oh, I can be weak or feeble or overweight or, you know, in very poor cardio conditioning. And this is, this should be the art for me. Well, yeah, if you look at it, what we've collected because of marketing it that way, you can yeah. see how this is sort of the chicken and the egg cycle. You know, you do one to attract the other and then it builds that side. And, and, and I think that, that it, it would be far better 
to keep with the efficiency. And I, I do like judo's, uh, the, what, what do they say? The, uh, minimum effort for maximum result kind of approach. I, I admire that efficiency. And I think judo is very similar to Aikido in that that's the ultimate goal. You want that efficiency, but I also admire judo for the fact that you don't really see judoka who are physical cream puffs. They all have a certain level of strength and physicality and fitness for the most part. I mean, they're older ones that are, you know, a little banged up, but there is that, that's kind of the ante on the table to play the, play the game. Uh, that there is a certain level of physical requirement and they, they don't make an illusion about that. Yes. You look at a Kusa Mufune, who's just, I mean, that to me, he is poetry in motion at what was he 70 some years old when, when some of those films were made, he clearly does not use tremendous athleticism, but you could also see that he was strong. Like he was capable. He was athletic even at his age. And there's, there's a danger of taking on too much of the nonchalant approach to, Oh, I can just wave my hand or I can sort of swoosh around. And I've seen tons of this in video where that attitude is taken to such an absurd degree where compliant UKs are flung around as though somebody is strolling through a park, picking flowers. It's like, and that when, when the this criticism comes in, they say, well, look at that. That doesn't look at all like, it would be realistic or practical. And the truth is, is it's not, we have to own that part. And yeah. I, I love the way you put that. Any martial art is about a certain amount of athleticism. Yeah. And it's it doesn't we, mean that you're using say. pure yeah. strength. Uh, you know, there are arts that use a lot of, a great deal of strength, but yeah. uh, you are using efficiency. You are trying to use leverage, getting the most from what you have, but there's never a point when being, a bit stronger than you are or being a bit more fit than you are or being in better athletic shape is a detriment. It is always only a benefit. Um, and, and yeah, so I agree with you. You don't need to be a, an Adonis or some kind of a, a physical specimen, although it certainly nice. helps. Uh, but you also need to maybe back off the donuts a bit uh, <laughs> and, and get some, get some conditioning going because uh, it's, it's crucial. It's setting the example as well. If you're an instructor, you need to set the example and you need to be mm-hmm. like leading from the front. And I think this is something I really believe in as an instructor. Yes. You need to, if you're purporting to, you know, teach fitness and self-defense and that's how you market your classes is, all right, it's a way to get fit. But then you come onto the mat in an ill-fitting dogie with your belly hanging out a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're just used to doing a couple of demonstrations and then walking around the class kind of going, oh, well, you know, change this, change that, change this. You're not leading from the front at that point, And that's where the bullshit comes in. And it's like, no, you should be leading from the front. If you're the instructor, you need to keep fitter than your students, I'd say, or at least as fit. So if, you're, if your students are outgassing you, it's like, well, you need, to, you need to reevaluate what you're doing, I think, because, you know, it's the same as, same as anything. You need to set the example. And if you're fit and over, uh, if you're unfit and fat and overweight and, you know, have got no physical conditioning because you rely on the strength of your Aikido technique and you're so advanced what example is that setting to white belts who then come into your class thinking, all right, well, I want to get a bit fitter. I want to lose a little bit of weight, but oh, hang on. Well, you're, you're fat and overweight and you know, you're, you're, have got no element of conditioning yourself. Why would I go to you? And the, I think one of the worst things a teacher can do or an instructor can do is pass on their own weaknesses to their students who are not constrained by the same limitations. Um, you know, an example might be, 
techniques that require healthy knees and, and the instructor's knees are shot. Right. And now he doesn't even teach their students how to do stuff that requires you to squat or, or to drop to a knee or something of that nature. So, yeah. and, I, and I've used it very much the same way because if you are overweight and out of shape, you're gonna limit what you do technique wise. These are strategic choices that you will have to make, but you know, a younger athletic fit person shouldn't be limited in the same way. Um, Injuries have to be taken account of, obviously. And I'm not saying that to be in, oh, yeah. be in peak physical fitness and things, because mm -hmm. most people, let's be honest, who have done martial arts for any amount of time have got niggling injuries, whether mm -hmm. it's just, you know, whether it's more serious injuries that are kind of like, well, I can't do this to maybe going something like, well, I need to be careful of this. Like through Aikido, I've got bad knees now, or I've got a bad knee and it's been operated on a few times. So I need to be careful about what I do in terms of twisting motions and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't stop me doing other things. And I don't just kind of go, oh, well, that's me done for my physical element then. It's like, right. no, you kind of work around stuff and, you know, you keep fit in other ways. You set the example. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move to the next one. Uh, and this comes from Sam Gray. His criticism is Aikido is not an effective martial art. That's why you don't see it in MMA. Here's the big daddy right here. Uh, and the excuse is, I almost got a Sorry. spit take on that one, didn't I? <laughs> nice. The excuse is Aikido is too devastating to be used in a sport. Um, <laughs> boy, these are two, two good laugh points right here. Um, who wants to front this one up? Go on, Brandon. <laughs> too, uh, what was the excuse? It's too. Excuse is, Aikido is too devastating to be used in a sport devastating what is so devastating i don't know <laughs> a little bit um man i i just don't think i think there's a rule set in the cage that's why you don't see it there i mean it has nothing you can't use wrist locks um or finger locks or anything like that so why would you have something that you can't use in the cage sure um, i guess there's other elements of aikido that you could use um but would it be attributed to Aikido or would somebody say, oh, well, that was, you know, a clothesline. It wasn't Yorimi-Nage um, right. or something like that, you know, as an example. But being too lethal, get the hell out of here with that. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> too lethal. Um, uh, absolutely. There's just a rule set. There's right. a rule set in the cage. You know, and I want to cover the criticism first. And that is that, uh, firstly, you do see it in the MMA ring. Mm -hmm. You might not see an Aikidoka or an Aikido practitioner in the ring. And I know there's a guy, what Jason DeLuca or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's, he's an MMA fighter with a, with an uh, Aikido background, but yep. I'm talking about just other fighters that, that use techniques that are widely known as being Aikido techniques. Mm -hmm. They are in the ring. There are people that have done compilation videos of actual MMA fights and have taken a clip and then shown, here's what it looks like from, you know, two people training it or doing a demonstration of it. And yes, it looks different. You know, obviously the, the fighters are clothed, dif clothed differently, but that's what it looks like in full motion. And you nailed it just right. Like what is an Ariminage? What is a Sayunage? Um, these things do come out in MMA fights. They just don't, they're the far more direct um, and simple execution of them. And they look chaotic because a fight is chaos. It mm -hmm. really is. It's not been sterilized to make a really pretty demonstration. It's not been toned down to be a good teaching uh, type of demo or, or something like that. But there are many different Aikido throws and techniques that have been used, you know, in, in competition, not only judo, but in MMA. So mm -hmm. the fact that somebody didn't see it, it's because they weren't looking. 
or they, they wanted to kind of create a false argument. But as for the excuse that Aikido is too devastating to be used in a sport, I completely agree. Um, these guys, athletes are, are used to getting thrown around and slammed on the ground. The worst that we really can do in Aikido is to slam somebody on the ground because the mm -hmm. ground hits harder than anything. Yeah. And if these guys are used to it because they're heavy duty athletes being thrown, not a big deal, you know? Yeah. It'll bang them up a little bit, but it's not going to end, end a fight. So, um, I don't really think there's anything that's, that's too devastating, uh, to be used in a sport, although they have, they do have some rules against some certain things. Um, finger, finger grabbing being one of them. Um, but you know, other stuff that's, that's not allowed in MMA is something that Aikido would never use like 12 to six strikes to the head and, you know, things like that, uh, kicking to the back of the head when somebody's on the ground or, or things like that. But I, I just fighting is fighting. And the things that, that happen in a ring are kind of natural. And I think that's, if you look at where Aikido got its techniques or Daito Ru, it came from fighting. Like the, yeah. all this stuff was codified these motions were not unique to Daito Ru or unique to Aikido. They were just what fighting was and they worked and people used them. And that's where we've gotten into this very ritualized subset of particular techniques, but, um, but too devastating to be used in a sport, uh, total garbage, utter garbage excuse. Um, I, I think a, the better answer is Aikido techniques are used in MMA. You just aren't, you don't see them because you're used to seeing Hakama and demonstration. Dan, what would you, what would you have for this one? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Aikido principles are used in the, mm -hmm. in the ring or the cage, maybe more than techniques, because mm -hmm. I think the principles are then adapted the things like entering in, turning, using momentum, things like that. I think that's, you know, that's, that's pretty standard again yeah. across most martial arts of, you know, bridging the gap, I suppose, or, you know, entering no man's land, bridging the gap, doing that, taking the balance, throwing them, doing whatever. And yeah, you see that. But this is the argument that I've had again and again and again. It was the Aikido principles are good. The way that they're taught and they're set up for them is wrong because right. it's so artificial in that way. But I think the principles, and if you do Aikido for a, a good amount of time like I did and then move into something else, I think the Aikido helps. And I think it helps you learn the techniques better and it helps sure. the changeover and the cross-training adapt better, which I think is a good thing. So, yeah, I do think you see principles of Aikido in the ring, um, but you don't see it, as you said, you know, like a perfectly executed Koshinagi or something like that, or some, like, it wouldn't happen, or an Iriminagi or something like that, but you see the principles of the using, you know, the the, the turn-in um, and the entering in and things like that. Sure. But... MMA guys are some of the most conditioned athletes in the world. <laughs> so to say that, you know, your art is too deadly to, to use against bullshit, absolute yeah. bullshit, like just complete, like there's no, there's no argument for that really other than to say, sorry. And, and that's a statement that will ruin your own credibility. If you, yeah, of course, if you I'll switch off at that point. Somebody, if you say that, I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever you're, you're a moron. Yeah. Um, so Hopefully that will shed some light on it. Um, we've had a number of them that came from Chris Gonzalez to move on. And these are some really good ones too. Um, criticism uh, number one, which he lists is Aikido only works against overcommitted attacks and falls apart when faced with realistic attacks. The excuse is with roots and sword, Aikido was designed to deal with fully committed attacks based on weapon strikes, the one hit one kill principle. If an attacker isn't giving you real energy, you might as well use another art like karate to deal with them. 
Uh, most people that are disciplined enough to become proficient strikers are good people that probably wouldn't be an aggressor. And this kind of covers a, a few different points, but I think we've all run into and seen the, oh, well, you have to really overcommit your attack if it's going to be a real attack, which means to overlean your body. And now in doing so, you tip yourself and then the Aikido Nage can easily throw that person. And, and I think that that's, that is a very solid criticism. Um, we, are, we cannot just train our ukes to completely give up their balance so that we can take advantage of them because a good striker can strike without losing his balance and be very dangerous and hit powerfully. And some mediocre striker. Sometimes you have one. to take their posture away from them, not yeah. just wait for them to give it up on their own. Um, thoughts? Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'd argue that again, you've got to think now most well, not most, but a high percentage of people have done some training in something now, nowadays. And if you're looking at a practical, even if it's just like, I don't know, like a boxing fit class or something like that, maybe not even to take competitively into the ring or to learn as a proper martial art. They've just done something to keep fit. So most people kind of know now roughly how to throw a strike and know how not to overcommit themselves. Unless again, you kind of put the, the element of alcohol and things like that, which obviously then increases your chances of your overbalancing and things. But yeah, I'd argue that, again, the way that we attack is unrealistic because we do kind of go and lunge in a, a very Buzz Lightyear-esque fashion where it's like you press the button and they chop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. not it's not a real thing. And the way that, you know, you, you spin round and they'll just follow you round and like in the in the Irimi Nagi kind of thing, they'll just follow you around, but they're not going to turn into you or anything like that. They're not going to go into a grapple or into a clinch or anything. They'll just kind of be led round in a circle with no resistance, no... No, nothing. They'll just they'll just follow it through your through your movement. It's just yeah, it's it's not a thing. And again, it's it's that over reliance on on uki being a good uki. And this is why you know sometimes not always, but sometimes you see high level instructors that only use kind of one or two ukis through their demonstrations because they're the tried and tested ones. They know there's like a relationship form between the two of them, where it's like I know what you're going to do, and this is going to be your response. So they just use them time and time again. Mm -hmm. because they've developed that relationship and it, it becomes as you said like a choreographed dance the same as stuntmen which or stunt fight coordinates etc use the guys that they know and trust because they've worked with them before the same thing applies here i've worked with this okay i know they can fall i know that they'll they'll move in the way that i want them to move so mm -hmm. therefore i'll use them but it's like it's more impressive you bring up someone that's no idea and kind of go okay well now you can kind of attack me and we'll see what happens that's the more impressive demo sure. but less pretty Mm -hmm. all right um brandon do you have anything to, to finish off with this one again no i feel like it's covered i i covered spouting hot air yeah we you know and getting down to some of these other ones they seem to be largely repeats of what the, the topics we've covered earlier so i wanted to cover one more topic and this is kind of a wrap-up in that the, the idea that if we were to take on dealing with these things and, and addressing these criticisms and adjusting training to deal with re more realistic attacks, uh, stuff that is outside of what is commonly held as the modern Aikido curriculum, um, and taking on techniques from, from other arts and other sources, if we were to do that to bolster Aikido, is it worth keeping the word Aikido as what we're doing, or is it worth taking on another name. And I guess the, 
the best analogy I can think of is when Bruce Lee did what he did, he came up with his own name. He didn't use Kung Fu or uh, Wing Chun. He came up with Jeet Kune Do. And to describe and to paint the picture of uh, a new art that he science, kind of scientifically assembled to be more complete. Um, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, personally, I think that Aikido is not worth abandoning and saying, all right, this is such, this is so hyper-specialized that it's now useless and it needs to be a kind of left as a museum to what it was 50 years ago. And a new art needs to be built with a new name. I personally have enough respect for what Aikido perhaps was because I wasn't alive at the time when Osensei was, but I have a great deal of respect for what he put together and the fact that he wanted Aikido to keep growing and to keep building, not to become frozen in time, much less to degrade, which I think that it, it has. And so my own heart tells me that Aikido would, be a, would still remain to be a good name because you still have this, the soul and the spirit of the art that at least that it was as opposed to saying, let's come up with some brand new name and, and you know, rebrand it. Um, thoughts on that? I think it's, it's, a, it's a big one. Because it is. I think, firstly, I think the name Aikido now has so many negative connotations to it. It's going to be hard to backtrack that, mm -hmm. even if you start putting stuff out, because people are, start, are still putting stuff out that's more of the effective side of it or more of the street side of it or more of the applicability side of it. But it's still not nearly enough to kind of... It's a big mountain to climb. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge mountain to climb. And I think it's got such an, a name and a reputation now that it's, it's difficult to backtrack from that. I also think that it's difficult to backtrack that if you change Aikido or if you make it or if you adapt it and things like that. I think there'll be a lot of high ranking instructors that would then kick off about that because they've reached a certain level now of being comfortable. And then if they've then got to teach Aikido as something that or or they wouldn't, they, they just wouldn't. They'd keep doing what they do, but they mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily be able to have the humility to kind of go oh actually i'm i'm a sixth dan seventh dan eighth dan but i still don't have that confidence maybe that you would that you alluded to earlier to, to mm -hmm. handle some drunk guy in the street can i change my aikido now can i adapt it or am i quite comfortable just teaching my class and doing that i'm making all right income i've got a decent business i've got hierarchy in the aikido world i'm an eighth dan blah 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 blah, blah. do they have that um that that humility and that lack of ego to then kind of go oh, i need to go back to the source perhaps so i think that would be another point of interesting discussion perhaps but yeah yeah i think you nailed it on that one mm. i think I such a i think we're in such a time capsule with what the curriculum of aikido is that like like dan said you know you're gonna have pushback obviously from old school high-ranking you know people that have taught it for 40 years and the stigma of Aikido with people that are younger, that are looking for something to do. Um, they're drawn to MMA, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu or something along those lines. And they, they just kind of see Aikido as this fluffy nuance that's there, but not really there. And, and so the, the, this is a very tough and hard thing to answer or to even contemplate because I know what 
my Aikido is to me, but how do I really convey that to other people? And that, that's the problem. Um, you know, we can add lots of different things to Aikido and make it more applicable and, and better able to meet today's needs. Um, because you're right, O Sensei did say, you know, Aikido is ever changing and it should continue to ever change. And for some reason, I don't know where that change stopped. It was almost apparently right after he passed and his own son stopped things and set out their curriculum. And that's just the way it's been since. Um, and there's been no opportunity for growth, at least not, not mainstream. I, I, I know sure. that there are people. In fact, a lot of the curriculum has been shrinking. I mean, I've been yes. hearing of techniques that have been removed from it and yep. where does that go you know I, that's a good yeah. question and dan you studied uh, yoshinkan i believe you said yeah and that is in my opinion more um direct to daitoru than yep. what i would say modern aikido is yep. so you know that's a more tradition but it's also more applicable than than later on things. So I know that there's techniques from Daitoru that never made it to today, um, but they may be prevalent or present in Yoshinkan. I don't know, because I've never studied yeah. Yoshinkan, but- Yeah, I agree. I think the Yoshinkan's more akin to the, the old Daitoru stuff. Like I studied some of the traditional Aikikai as well, just for mm -hmm. a little while, but it was chalk and cheese, really. It yeah. Was, it was yeah different in terms of its its perspective and outlook and you know the key on dosa and things like that was originally taught for the police and things like that because they needed the six basic movements to do in large groups um and from that obviously then came the key on wiser and things like that but there's a lot of things in there that are very jujitsu-esque and it's yes. a lot less of the circular motion like there's still elements of that but it seems for for, for me it was more direct so it was more yeah. like straight to the point and focus more on the on the body strength and alignment of the body rather than kind of you know, bending the back over and things like that. It was everything right. in in line with the heel. So it's like head to heel, good strength up there, like that straight posture in that body line. So a heavy emphasis on posture rather than esoteric concepts. Yeah. yeah I think so a factor here too is, and this is a tremendous irony in my opinion, and that is you have organizations or instructors that, that say what I do is Aikido and what you do is not Aikido. Right where in the competitive, wouldn't that be the competitive mindset of competing over what is Aikido, what, what isn't, and then arguing basically over the ownership, whether it's the, the ownership of the name or what exactly it is. Um, fighting being fighting is, is influenced by other things that it comes across. And I don't, I don't think Aikido is any different. Any, any martial art will take on flavors of the practitioners who have backgrounds in other things or find efficiencies with other uh, methods that they come across. That's a natural thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that that enhances an art. It doesn't poison it or water it down. It makes it more potent. Yeah. And, and I, and I understand that, that the Japanese have a very th a heavy tradition towards respect for elders so much so that they idolize them and anything that, that someone did that was respectable is viewed like it must never be changed. It must be, you know, isolated and, and preserved. And, and I guess I can respect preservation uh, and, and that level of respect, but to have something as dynamic as martial arts and, and fighting, to have it try to be frozen in time, 
really does it a disservice more than it does it uh, than, than it shows respect for for what was done there. It would be, I guess, like all of us driving around Model A's uh, cars because we have such respect for Henry Ford and his innovations. Yeah. Like, well, you know, it, it just doesn't. I don't think it holds true. And things and, I, and I think, yeah, yeah. I think th those people who want to innovate the art, if they wind up being driven out of the Aikido community, those are the ones that Aikido will, that the survival of Aikido as a martial art will, will rest on their shoulders. If they are driven out and create a new name, what will happen to, to that art? And I'll, I'll go back to, you know, Bruce Lee's, if you want to find a Jeet Kune Do instructor, you can. If you want to find a traditional Wing Chun instructor, they are very hard to find nowadays. Yeah. Because, and most of them will say, I'll teach you Wing Chun, but I'm a Jeet Kune Do instructor. I'll teach you the subset, but here's what I really do. And I, I see Aikido instructors drifting that same direction. And Dan, you're a perfect example of that. You're using yeah. an Aikido flavored art that has other things to it. Uh, and I think I'm doing kind of the same thing as well. I, I still like the name and the, what Aikido stands for. And yeah. although we could get into endless arguments about what exactly that is, uh, but I do think it's, it's worth not abandoning. At least that's my mindset right now. And that might change yeah. as time yeah. goes on. And I haven't trained in Aikido for years now, like traditionally mm -hmm. in a gi or anything like that, or with other Aikido. But I would say that Aikido was my first proper martial art and it's yeah. kept with me. So everything that I do now has got principles involved with Aikido. So yeah. as you said, there's always a flavor now of being, you know, of what I do is somewhat Aikido. It's just taking yeah. a different turn, as you said. And, you know, I'll still, and I think keeping that tradition is important still. And, you know, attributing that you do have a history in it and, you know, being thankful to your instructors and things like that and acknowledging them and, and giving them the recognition rather than just saying, oh, I came up with this myself. Like, right. as you said, it always said that, you know, he had influences from Wing Chun, he had influences from other arts that he studied, but mm -hmm. he always gave recognition to them as well. Mm -hmm. But he also said, well, now this is an amalgamation of everything I've learned and let's call it JKD. It's right. the same. Anyone can do that. It's not disrespectful because you're still paying homage to the, to the art and still saying, well, this is my flavor. This is my take on it. You know, you learn to be a chef, but then you put your own twist on a meal, don't you? It'd be, it'd be a really boring world if everyone was just exactly the same and everyone exactly the same martial art. Imagine what, exactly what music the or the art world would be exactly, if everybody yeah. just did exactly what they were taught. Yeah, if everyone just learned classical music and didn't deviate from that and go into blues or jazz or anything like that and didn't do something different, it'd be a very, very different world, a very boring world, I think. People mm -hmm. are inherently different. So I think it's important. And martial arts is such a great way of showing your expression of that art and showing your uniqueness. I think that... No, it's important. But again, keep that respect and keep that tradition alive. But also tradition moves on. It, it does. It should continue to advance because any living thing is either growing or it's dying. Yeah. And unfortunately, no... I think Aikido's dying. I, I would have to agree. Um, yeah. And I it's up it's to those. Life support. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. And and people have asked me, like, what, what do you think the future of Aikido is? And, and I'll say I don't have a crystal ball, but I will say the future of Aikido will rest on the people that are actively trying to build it and tried to grow it, not the ones who are trying to limit it or trying to reduce it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that leads me into uh, kind of wrapping up. And that is, uh, this video is going to be posted on uh, the Aikido, Aikibudo Alliance uh, Facebook group. Uh, this is a brand new group we just established with the spirit of trying to grow 
Aikido. And we chose, we chose in, in this way, we chose the name Aikibudo because it goes back. It was the term used before Aikido was used as a, an umbrella that brought many different arts kind of together or describe many different arts. Um, and it was also at a time where, where effectiveness was at the heart of the development of, of the art. And so for those who are interested, this is not just for Aikido people, but for any martial artist that wants to expand their journey and to work together and learn from one another. So you know, everybody's welcome. We'd like, we'd like to have people in. Um, like I said, we just, we just got things started. It's uh, March in 2021 right now, and this video will be up for a while. So uh, if you want to come and join us, the, there's no fee or anything like that. It's just come on in and, and uh, discuss and, and have discussions like this and learn from them. I think there's tremendous potential, upward potential of Aikido to be a robust art that can stand proudly with all the other arts that are out there that are, that are potent and capable. Uh, I don't, and I like the, the, the term, the excuse, we're addressing the excuses that we did today because we shouldn't have to make excuses for our art. When there's a criticism, we should look at ourselves and say, is this, is this accurate? If it's accurate, let's fix it. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work. So we don't have to have excuses. Yeah. Um, anything you guys want to wrap up with? Share your projects or any, any last thoughts? I'm just, just glad that you, uh, you did this. Um, I think it's needed. And I know that this um, discussion and, and moving forward with adding things or, you know, keeping Aikido the name and then putting other things in it, that's going to, going to twist the um, traditionalists up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and we, we referenced Bruce Lee, and I think it's going to be like that, where he got a lot of pushback from a lot of different masters. Yeah, he did. A lot of things he did. And when you start ruffling those feathers and really pushing what we're going to, or what we're talking about pushing, um, and it gets the exposure that I think it probably is going to get, mm -hmm. um, there's going to be some some heavy hit back um, from those old school people yeah, and maybe even some of the students of those old school people. So, um, and I don't care. I think yeah. it's neat. I think, <laughs> I think they, they need Bring to on the storm. Yeah. I think it's, it's a realistic thing. And I have a lot of criticisms myself of Aikido and, and it's, it's shortcomings um, and they're there. We can't deny it. We have to accept it. Um, that's my take on it. I just really appreciate being able to be here and talk with you guys and, and express what we have done so far. Well, it was, it was great, Brandon. How about you, Dan? Do you want to have any last thoughts? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's awesome. Um, what's happening. I think it's needed as well. I think that you're right. We're probably going to ruffle some feathers. Um, but I think they're feathers that maybe need ruffling as well. And where there's people, there's politics, and that's Absolutely. just always the way. It's it's always yeah. going to happen. People have egos. Everyone's got an ego. We all have egos. Like mm -hmm. it's it's a thing. But you know, whatever. I think it's just being open and, and honest with people, and not being disrespectful, but also questioning and not and not just falling into that 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 realm of just saying yes, 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 yeah, us, us, us. Mm -hmm. us. <laughs> Come a little us machine. It's like right, think for yourself a little bit and start. You know stop being an us robot and, and maybe question things and, you know, go and look elsewhere and train in different things. Like a big thing I want to say is just cross train mm -hmm. as well. I think, you know, yeah. I think it's so important for any martial artist to get a flavor of something else um, and just cross train and train with different people, train with as many people as you can. Don't limit yourselves. Um, learn from everyone, learn from, you know, 
don't just limit because what's the point limitations on life aren't good you know yeah. we've all been limited this year through a pandemic and we all hate it so why would you limit in your martial arts journey as well you know very you well would... said yeah um in fact as you guys were talking one last thought came to mind and that is i would love to see so many of those great martial artists that left aikido out of frustration to think about coming back into the realm yeah. And to know that they, their, their ambition and their desire for training actual Budo, actual martial arts is coming back and is here again. And I know both of you have, have you know, love Aikido, but have drifted away just out of being frustrated with it. And that's what we're trying to address. You know, I've met a number of instructors that are in the same boat. Like I, I liked Aikido. I liked what it represented, but it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. It was too ritualistic. And, and so those people are the people the we need we need in in the realms you know in the in the community and i think they'd love to see what what we were trying to do here so uh if if you're listening and you're one of those people welcome back you know we'd love to love to have you contributing again and bring what what you went on to you know whether it was brazilian jiu-jitsu I've, I've met uh, people that have gone on to sistema into uh, you know boxing sambo other other realms because that's they were searching for the a, a, a more physical approach that was comprehensive and we can use all that. We can learn from all those things. So um, excellent. Well, I'm going to get, wrap it up here. Thank you very much, guys. This was a great discussion. I can't wait to see what we get for feedback on it. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.